Welcome to the Librarian's Guide to Teaching podcast. In today's mini episode, we take a look back at episode 11, where we discussed instructional programming. Today, we'll revisit that topic a bit by discussing how instruction librarians have adapted to virtual programming over the past year of remote learning. Uh, we know that librarians from all types of institutions have shifted programming to remote. And I came across a recent resource that I found helpful in the ACRL Library Marketing and Outreach Interest Group on Facebook. There were notes that were posted from a recent University Library Section Academic Outreach Committee uh, from one of their online roundtables. It was titled Supporting Students Who Can't Come to Campus and or Participate in the University Experience. And it listed out the ways that attendees um, at that roundtable had tried to replicate on campus experiences and kind of support students with remote programming. So um, I'm going to link the document in the show notes, but I figured we'd throw out some of the cool ideas from the document. So the first thing to note was uh, it was really interesting to see how webinars or the same events were successful at one institution, but not another. So it really does depend on your students and perhaps trial and error. That was kind of a big takeaway from the whole document as the whole document as a whole. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I saw that um, one group surveyed their students and their students weren't interested in non-academic programming, but then at other institutions, it hit, it, it went, um, went really well. Yeah, definitely. So it does show the importance of really knowing your students and or surveying them to see uh, to see what they need. One thing at, that, at PACE that student development has noticed is that um, from talking to students, they're not really interested in the virtual stuff anymore, unless it has to do with um, like more daily life upkeep stuff like de-stressing or virtual therapy dogs and things like that. But the academic stuff, they're kind of, like you said, zoomed out because they're already doing that in classes. So uh, you really have to know what your students are, are looking for. So this idea is kind of academic, but not entirely. And I loved this concept from Oregon State University. They had virtual study hall in Zoom. So they played like low music. They had uh, student workers monitoring the space to welcome people in. It just kind of was a place, a virtual space to come and stay on task and kind of try to replicate the physical space. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, we actually did an Instagram story poll um, at our library to see if students would be interested. And we had a few positive responses. So uh, we might try it. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this idea uh, in a few other places where they talk about um, uh, accountability, where it's just like, you, we don't have to talk, you don't even have to have your camera on, but yeah. it's just a place for you to carve out your time, especially in a time where you're in the same place for so many hours that like, this just breaks up your day. Right. Exactly. And a librarian can be there to be like kind of the ask me anything person, which can in a way make it um, kind of a one on one consult opportunity. You can do a breakout room with that one person and then pop back in to the regular space. So right. I like that opportunity of it. Uh, UT Taylor did a night against procrastination, but they did it outside. And I, it depends on, you know, the time of year and where you are. I'm assuming where they are. They have great weather all year round <laughs> and they set up um, tables with tutors in outdoor spaces, which as we kind of up north approach the nicer weather, that's definitely something that might be a, po a possibility. But as I said, some places tried this and it didn't work. 
that the night against procrastination wasn't successful. So you really have to know what your students might be interested in. And this one is not an instruction program, but I loved this idea that if your if your librarians work with specific departments or faculty. Um, each librarian created an introduction video and sent it to their faculty asking them to encourage students to book consultations. Because uh, I know where I am our synchronous and even asynchronous a little bit uh, instruction is much lower. Um, but from the asynchronous that I do and that my colleagues are doing we're getting a lot of email consults back and forth. Um, and a lot of people at other institutions are having the, their faculty book, uh, have their students book one-on-one -on -one consultations. So this was, I thought, a cool way to introduce faculty the idea if they've never done it before. Yeah, I, I really like this idea. I think a lot of us are experiencing less instruction opportunities. And this is just kind of like an easy way to drum up some business. I mean, depending on what you have, it's so easy to create a 60-second video um, and just kind of throw it up in the LMS. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, someone also noted doing a customized MailChimp newsletter that highlighted collections. Uh, it really didn't provide any info on how they got signups or how they targeted groups, but it might be really cool to do an instruction information literacy newsletter where students could be sent like quick tips or videos or strategies. Um, but again, that you would really have to find a way to, to get students to learn about it, promote it on social media a lot. Uh, but that seems like a really cool way to target instruction <laughs> in an easy way. Yeah, I really like this idea of um, the highlighting collections. Um, I know it's not like info lit focus, but like I think it's a, a nice way to just bring out parts of your collection that aren't, they're underutilized, you know? It's like just a new way to like bring new perspectives to like resources that are not being used, you know, I think that like right. that's always fascinated me. Like that's kind of like one thing I miss about, you know, being in a more traditional role is mm -hmm. that, that opportunity to create like displays and, you know, collections of, of collections and just kind of like bring more awareness to those resources. Right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> So that was some of the stuff from the document. Um, and we also kind of wanted to touch on uh, our successes with any remote programming. Uh, so I've done a bunch of instructional webinars on citations, news literacy. Uh, we did one on Google versus the library, but we really haven't had good turnout. So we've turned some of those into videos for our YouTube channel, because uh, then we can promote them. Students can find them on our website if we need them in the future. So that was kind of turning a negative into a positive. Uh, one thing I'm doing right now with a colleague that I'm kind of sad isn't getting traction is a 10 minutes to better research Zoom series. So each week we do a Zoom session at the same time and we advertise a different topic like choosing the right database, quick advanced Google searching or using our journal finder. Uh, we've had two sessions out of eight with students. So I think next week is going to be our last week. Um, and then we're going to maybe just turn it again into like YouTube playlist that we can promote because we have videos on these topics, but they're long because we use them in an instruction setting. So making them short, like just two minute videos, and not to say that they're not already out there, but making something that's branded for our own library, I think does make a difference. So we're going to do that. 
Um, the only positive turnout I've had so far was a collaboration between our student book club and our staff development journal club. I worked with the president of the book club to find a recent article on an information topic and then everyone read it and then we met as a group. So both students and librarians. And it was great. So we read an article about the democratization of knowledge after COVID. And it was so cool to talk to students about these information concepts that we try to teach them in the classroom, but it was in a much more like laid back setting. So we really want to do one of those again. And the students said they had a great time. So that was positive. Um, and my biggest success uh, programming wise was not instructional, but we transitioned our March Madness book competition from in-person to Instagram last year. And I just did it again in the past few weeks and students were DMing us on Instagram that they loved the game. So I was like, yay, I'm gonna try to turn this into you know, other things. Like I was trying to think, you know, could I do an Oscars bracket or stuff like that? Because it seems like it's a, just another way to engage with them. And then if they stay on our page then we can promote more instructional stuff to them on Instagram. So that was a success, not instructional, but mm -hmm. I'm counting. What about you? I have limited success um, and even like just opportunity during the pandemic for virtual programming. Um, early on, one thing that we did was um, we know when certain um, assignments that are pain points for our students are due. And so like, for example, in week five, we all support our like principles of management course. Right. And so we had a drop in Zoom um, for that. And we all promoted it in the courses that we were embedded in and said this date and this time a librarian will be here to answer all of your management uh, questions. Right. Um, and so we did it for a multiple, um, you know, assignments that we knew were relevant and they didn't get a lot of traction, but we did get people mm -hmm. in small pockets of students. So, I mean, I thought it was successful because to me, if you can reach one student, if you could reach one student that's never used a library before, like, I think that's success because now they have the confidence to come back and work with a librarian, they had a good experience. So number wise, not so much, but um, you know, experience wise. So that was one thing that we did in the beginning. We stopped doing that now. Um, another thing that we did was to promote our instruction, but not necessarily a program is we targeted faculty and departments um, and we kind of just gave them like an overview of our resources related to mm. their, their, you know, their discipline. Um, and again, not huge turnout, but like, you know, it gave us an opportunity to work with some faculty one-on-one -on -one and just really kind of answer their questions and go deep dive into things. And so that was great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but other than that, it's been a challenging year for me. You know, I mean, I was, we we had this huge reorg. Um, I was out on leave, and then um, you know now we're kind of just in like survival mode right now. So like we haven't really been doing a lot of programming. I know it's something we want to get back to, but it's just so hard because we know our students are just kind of just trying to maintain. So we're not really pushing it. Yeah. Um, but one thing outside of like our institution that's been successful so far is through my ACRL New Jersey chapter, 
um, is that we're, we're doing these things we're calling Wellness Wednesdays. And mm -hmm. it could be adapted to students, you know, because it's so broad. And basically, like, it's an hour where you just have a conversation with your colleagues and you have a different topic. So, like, I facilitated one three weeks ago and it was about your hobbies. And mm -hmm. it was great because people like came to the Zoom with like their hobby. So like some people were like crafting, other people were coloring and and we just talked and it was right. just, it was an, and it was in the middle of the day. So it was like a nice break to the day. Um, and then they did, they did one today um, and they talked about what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? And it was just like a relaxing conversation. So this is just something that could be adapted. I mean, it's not revolutionary, but like, it just felt good to just mm -hmm. like take a break and like do something in a like a fun social capacity um, on a Zoom call. Yeah, I definitely think that could be adapted in a lot of ways. I think my colleagues did something similar to the crafting thing. Um, like in the beginning of this, right before the semester started, they had these like we had it was like two weeks of like quarantine programming for the students who were in quarantine before they came on campus and I think my colleagues did a craft work one mm. like where people just came and brought their crafting and like showed off what they did and I don't know if they had a great turnout but um again it depends on you know your students and your institution I think that could be a fun one like it just like you said a social one yeah we kept it small because if you if you make the groups too big and yeah. everyone doesn't get a chance to talk. So we limited it to 12 people. Nice. Yeah, so it worked out well. Yeah, that's great. So hopefully these are some ideas that uh, if you are still looking for remote outreach ideas, you can try to implement them. Um, I think some colleges are already talking about how to do in-person programming for the fall. So we will see. Maybe the end of spring, early summer is the last bit that we're going to be really limited to remote uh, programming. But I think a lot of it will still stay because I think it reaches more students who may not be able to come to campus or who you know are sick and still want to participate. So it may be one of those things that stays on in a limited capacity and we'll have to see. So that wraps up another episode of the Librarian's Guide to Teaching. Uh, here's where you can find us. You can find the podcast at librarian underscore guide. You can find Jessica at librarygeek611. You can find me, Amanda, at historybuff820. And you can always email us at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We would love to hear from you in the reviews.